Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story. I'm your host, Koro Tarod, and I'm coming to you from the Galilee, where my wife and I live. Thank you for joining me for the first episode of Season 4. On today's podcast, I'll be exploring the deep need for us as people to follow leaders, the power of transference, and the warning of a future global leader that the Bible says will deceive many lives in the end of days. Last season on the closing episode entitled, What's Next for Israel? I discussed how Israel's renowned rabbi, Yitzhak Kadori, once declared to Benjamin Netanyahu that he would be the last prime minister of Israel before the Messiah returns. At the recording of that episode, Israel was preparing for national elections. Since then, Benjamin Netanyahu has become Prime Minister and has become the longest standing leader in the modern state of Israel. And Israel is now being led by the most right-wing government in their storied history. Will Bibi Netanyahu be Israel's last Prime Minister? Is Messiah's return closer than we think? The Phrase of the Modern Age If there's one particular expression that directly speaks of the day and age that we all find ourselves living in, it is the statement, Take me to your leader. It has single-handedly become the motto of the modern world. How did we get here? Or better yet, how did we get out of it? On today's show, I offer ideas out of this global condition that has taken over the entire earth. A powerful statement. In an interview on Christian television, former pastor and life coach, Dr. Ken Baugh, shared a quote from a Christian psychiatrist that will resonate with a lot of the listening audience. The quote says, We are born looking for someone who is looking for us. The person who has been looking for us is the God of the universe. He has been searching for his children and seeking to redeem his lost creation since the Garden of Eden. We as human beings are often shaped by parents, a teacher, a coach, or a friend. It is the way God designed our constitutions, which are first and foremost relationship-oriented. We as people need an example of someone who has been there before us, a person to emulate, and a person to walk with us along our journey throughout life. Unfortunately, what has tragically happened in the day and age that we are living in is that many leaders have capitalized on this deep spiritual and physical void of looking for someone. In today's world, leaders mostly arrive in human form, but they can take the shape of an ideology, a concept, or a place. If left unchecked, this type of leadership has the ability to cause tremendous emotional damage. The Gift of a Mentor In the Talmud, it is written, Provide yourself with a mentor. I believe that the need for a godly mentor can be one of the greatest needs in our world today. The ability for someone to take us under their wing 
and provide us real life and concrete examples of spiritual and physical life together. This mentor-mentee relationship is vital to the human condition and existence, and it can be so reassuring to have someone whose life story we understand and someone who is familiar and understands where we have come from and journeyed. We as human beings are very complex, and we come from many different countries and cultures with a variety of traditions and customs. Mentoring creates a space for people to be heard, understood, and healed. A life mentor is not something that happens easily in today's world, as there is so much focus and attention on the imaginary world of the internet, video gaming, and social media. Sadly, mentoring has not only become a lost art, it is next to impossible due to all of humanity's time constraints, commitments, and diminishing values. Yet, a life mentorship relationship can still happen in an organic way, without force, coercion, or manipulation. The God who made us understands our deepest needs of socialization, the desire to be listened to, and the yearning for apprenticeship. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. The scriptures also tell us in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, that iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. In Exodus chapter 18, Moses' father-in-law Jethro had an answer to Moses' dilemma concerning leadership. Moses was ruling the children of Israel and was solely responsible for the never-ending managing of disputes for all of the ancient Israelites. Jethro's recommendation to Moses was to delegate other leaders from out of the men of Israel. The power of transference. Transference is a term from the field of psychology in which feelings a person had about their parents are unconsciously redirected to a present situation. In an article by Michael Maccabee, he writes how Sigmund Freud, the Jewish psychologist, discovered transference while in his practice. Dr. Freud, one of the most influential thinkers of the 20th century, shared that during his psychoanalytical sessions with both men and women, they developed a strong bond and affinity for him. He concluded that people were relating to him as if he were some important person from their past, usually a parent. We can see how Freud's experience supports the powerful statement that says, the feeling of being heard is equivalent to being loved. The article goes on to explain that at its best, transference is the emotional glue that binds people to a particular leader. My questions are, is transference happening to us with leaders right now? Do we even realize this is even taking place? Why we follow leaders. Most of humanity has grown up with one or two parental figures or a legal guardian. This person 
may be it an aunt, uncle, or grandparent, or foster parent, usually shapes, nurtures, and molds our God-given temperaments and personalities and provides emotional stability, safety, and well-being for the growing child. The late Fred Rogers, who is known by millions of people as Mr. Rogers, studied child behavior, led a quiet psychological revolution that was broadcasted on children's television. He had a powerful quote that said, Love is at the root of everything, all learning, all parenting, all relationships, love or the lack of it. In an article entitled, Why Do People Follow Tyrants? Dr. Jean Kim, a clinical assistant professor of psychiatry at George Washington University, highlights and provides insights on the different reasons why we as people continue to follow leaders. She provides helpful information which could be life-saving in the days and times that we are living in. Dr. Kim shares that the first thing we crave is strong parental figures. And although no such perfect figure exists, a leader can flourish from this unquestioning worship. The next marker she describes is naive idealism. Dr. Kim says that in a healthy society, mutual trust is the cornerstone of community strength. Yet this trust leaves us vulnerable by those who make up their own rules. The next marker she highlighted is that individuals are being drawn to leaders with money, looks, and status. Dr. Kim shares that these markers usually have no correlation to morality, kindness, or depth of character, but are badges of entitlement. The next marker is the feeling of weakness or uncertainty in our own lives. When people feel a lack of control in their own personal lives, they often turn to fantasy figures, celebrities, idols, and people who possess charisma and strength. Another important marker is false safety. Dr. Kim states that people would rather be on the sidelines, letting someone else run the show, which allows the person to stay in a childlike role, giving the leader more power. Another reason people follow leaders is to be aligned with the quote-unquote in-crowd. The last marker is lack of critical thought, and Dr. Kim says that when people go along with the status quo, in the end, it leaves people more vulnerable for exploitation and the ruthlessness of tyrants. The Tragedy of Jonestown There is probably not a person who was born before 1980 that has not heard and doesn't grimace or wince when they hear the name of the cult leader Jim Jones. Yet according to an article in The Guardian, it says that before the 9-11 tragedy in New York, the Jonestown Massacre was the largest single incident of intentional civilian death in American history. Long before the 918 followers in the People's Temple cult took their lives in Guyana by drinking a potion with cyanide and Valium, many within the group considered Jim Jones to be the ultimate public role model. 
Jim Jones appealed to people's ideals. Those ideals he toiled and labored over were important to a functioning society consisting of social justice, integration, and civil rights. Jones, over time, became politically connected, and soon people were seemingly willing to follow him to the ends of the earth. We are 44 years removed from the unthinkable and tragic Jonestown Massacre. Yet, there are so many life lessons that we can learn from this one horrific event. Lessons about trust, looking out for red flags, control coming into the wrong hands, looking for a person to become the replacement of God in our daily lives, and becoming a quote-unquote second father or mother. The Day Israel Wanted a King One of the saddest verses to read in the Bible is found in the book of First Samuel. It speaks of the people of Israel no longer wanting to be part of a theocracy and ruled by God himself and his appointed judges. This happened to God's people, and the nation of Israel has never been the same. God designed for the children of Israel to be separate from all other nations in terms of governance and leadership. Israel was called to be a light unto the nations and a city on a hill, coexisting under God's eternal leadership. The tremendous and tragic paradigm shift of Israel leaving God's theocratic rule takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. It says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. The story continues with Saul being anointed by the prophet Samuel to become the first king of Israel. Ever since King Saul's coronation began near 1000 BC, the nation of Israel has been ruled and governed by one earthly leader after another. Our nation, Israel, has yet to recover from its loss of its theocratic leadership ruled by God. Leaders from yesteryear and today. The individuals of today that seem to receive all the attention and millions of followers are the leaders from the field of technology. Men like Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and Elon Musk. When the people of Lebanon heard that Elon Musk was considering buying Twitter, some of them tweeted in excitement for him to buy the entire country of Lebanon. All of these technocrats have the ancient spirit of the Babylonian leader Nimrod on them. These technocrats, ruling with unmatched and influential power as followers around the world, are under their low-orbiting satellite surveillance and captivated by their influential words over social media. The Jewish historian Josephus writes this about Nimrod. Now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and contempt of God. He was the grandson of Ham, the son of Noah, a bold man and of great strength of hand. He persuaded them not to ascribe it to God, 
as if it were through his means, they were happy, but to believe that it was their own courage which procured that happiness. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning man from the fear of God, but to bring them into a constant dependence on his power. Noted Bible teacher and speaker, the late Chuck Missler, wrote an article called The Return of Nimrod? He explains that Nimrod was the world's first dictator, whose name means we rebel. His ancient kingdom centered near and far, but covered ancient Babylon. Misler writes that the prophet Micah referred to the land of Nimrod in his prophecies and writings. Misler asked some poignant questions referring to future prophetic events. He says, Could it be this final world dictator will be in some sense a return of Nimrod? Misler continues to write and says, This may add an additional dimension to the mysteries surrounding the future of Babylon. Is it just used as a symbol, or will Babylon literally rise to prominence on the banks of the Euphrates again? In an article in the Times of Israel entitled, Elon Musk with his technology and trolling mirrors the biblical Nimrod, the author explains that the biblical king, who had an expansive kingdom in the Middle East and Asia and was a great hunter before God, Yet, we know through Josephus' writings that he was the one responsible for overseeing the construction of the Tower of Babel, just like the Nimrod of old was on the cutting edge of technology. Elon Musk has made clean technology through Tesla, but he has become a brazen troll on Twitter, the company he now owns exclusively. Elon Musk, according to a Forbes article, is the richest man alive, being worth over $300 billion. Similar to the power and influence of ancient leader Nimrod. Yet, will his 90 million followers on Twitter see that he is prepared to launch clinical trials through his company Neuralink on humans for the implanting of brain chips? The danger of putting any man or woman on a lofty pedestal, regardless of who they are, can set us up for the global leader the Bible refers to as the man of lawlessness. He is the coming Antichrist, or counterfeit Messiah, that will set up a demonic, worldly system, where only those who have the mark of the beast will be able to buy and sell. If we are in awe of men and women now and looking for them to lead entirely, what will we all do when this global leader shows up on the world stage? The Bible says that the Antichrist will perform counterfeit miracles and signs and wonders, becoming a false messiah before our very own eyes, appearing as an angel of light. The scriptures say, that people will be in such a state of delusion and believe the lie when he comes onto the world stage. Counterfeit Messiahs Jesus warned that in the end of days, counterfeit Messiahs would masquerade 
as the saviors of the world. In an article entitled, How Can One Recognize a False Christ? On BibleInfo.com, it shares a powerful verse by Jesus recorded in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, which says, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. The article goes on to say that shortly before Jesus' crucifixion, he preached about his great prophetic discourse regarding profound events that would occur at the end of the age prior to his second coming. Among those events, he said would be false prophets and false messiahs. He warned people, saying, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Messiah, or there, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the very elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. In this unstable, unpredictable, and unlawful age, that we all find ourselves in. A leader with tremendous charisma could potentially swoon away the hearts of billions of men and women and lead them to travel down a wrong path that only leads to destruction. The social climate is set up now for this type of Antichrist figure. This is due to global poverty, the masses of people inflicted with diseases, and the unstableness and trust of religious leadership. Conversation with a local farmer A few weeks ago before the national elections had taken place, my wife Tikva and I got a real feel for the deep political desire of the people of Israel when we had a conversation with a local farmer. It all happened at the place where we pick up our vegetables, and the discussion continued in the fields where the produce is harvested. The man was sharing with us the type of leader he was looking for here in Israel. In paraphrasing his words, this skilled farmer wanted a political leader who would unite all peoples here in the land and a figure who would demonstrate kindness and bring peace to factious and rival groups. If this local farmer born and raised here in Israel is looking for this type of leader. Who else here in Israel shares his sentiments? The scriptures and biblical prophecies tell us that there will be in the end of days a leader that will be charismatic and will unite all peoples around the world and draw them unto himself. The world will be transfixed by him, yet he will deceive most of the inhabitants of the world and turn on the Jewish people and try to annihilate them. The highly anticipated global leader that will arise on the world stage will be the counterfeit to the true Messiah of Israel, and he will try and fortify his earthly kingdom in the temple in Jerusalem. Yet the real Messiah, Yeshua ben David, will return to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and the prophet Isaiah writes, 
of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, whose kingdom there will be no end, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We need Messiah. The Bible compares human beings to the peaceful farm animals who for centuries fed in the pasture and are known as sheep. The prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet, there is one leader, the only leader, who can guide and protect us from oncoming danger. His name is the Good Shepherd, Yeshua. In John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16, Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They, too, will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, Land People Story, when I'll be sharing on how entertainment is conquering reality. See you soon.